Today, there are three commitments that you need to make. Commitment number one is the commitment to recognize once again that Jesus is God's gift to you and that he is providing to you forgiveness. He is providing to you salvation. Some of you have received that gift already. You have prayed and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, enter into my life. Some of you have prayed that already. Some of you haven't. Today would be your day to make that commitment. And in front of you, we have communion. Communion is our way of saying all over again that we have made that commitment. For you, this might be your first time. This might be your hundredth time. But if you can say, Jesus, I am making my commitment of my life to you, then we welcome you to come forward at the end of our worship gathering to receive communion. We've got bread on either side and grape juice. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. After dinner, he took a cup. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. What we do is we come forward, we take a piece of the bread, we dip it in the grape juice because that's a different thing than we do in most of the rest of our lives except for, you know, Oreos and milk. But, you know, this is much more nourishing. And we, we do that to set this aside and say, okay, God, we are going to receive Jesus' broken body and his blood all over afresh in our lives. And over here, we even have a gluten-free option. I need to remem- remind you of that. But then next to them, We have these baskets because on the first Sunday of every month, we encourage you to bring a financial gift, to say thank you to God, gratitude to God for the gifts that he has blessed us with. And we encourage people to practice the principle of the tithe, which is to say, God, I'm going to take the first 10% right off the top of my income and I'm going to return it back to you because you promised you'll take care of me. But if you can't do that 10%, we know it's a big thing for people to just jump right on into. We're willing to give you some training wheels and just say, come and bring to God whatever you can so that you can say, God, thank you for your blessings in my life. And if you came today not prepared to give anything, we've given you something to give. It's the connect card. You can fill this out and you can say, God, I'm giving you me. But there is a third commitment that you have an opportunity to make today. And it's this membership covenant. We give you an option. This same commitment can be made in two separate ways. You can make a commitment to become a member of this church, which if you're familiar with our documents, you've read through our organizing documents, you've been to our class, you know what membership means, then you are likely to be able to sign that membership commitment. If you know what membership means, then you can check that box and sign the bottom and turn that in as your commitment today for another year. If, however, you're not exactly sure what membership means, uh, I'm going to explain a little bit of it today, but it's certainly not all of it. Or if you're just not ready to make that commitment, we have a second option for you, the associate commitment. And all that means, it's not a cop-out commitment. It's just one that says, I'm going to stick with you guys for this year. I'm going to spend a whole year with you guys and I'm going to learn what God brings to me through this environment. We believe it's important for people to make a time-bound commitment because, and I'll get into this in a little bit, because your spiritual growth will never be comfortable to you 
And so if you base your attendance in a church and your participation in a church based on your own comfort level, you will never experience the growth that God is calling you to experience because at some point in time, you're going to get uncomfortable and you're going to have to make that decision. Do I stay because of my commitment or do I go because of my comfort? And so we ask you to make a year-long commitment to say, I'm in this for the whole year. And if you don't know if you can make that commitment or not, I'm going to try to help you understand the significance of it. So when you make that commitment today, you're making a commitment to be part of this church fellowship for this next year. And you need to know what we're all about. Our mission as a church is that we empower people to live the life God made them for. We want to give people the strength they need so they can step into the life God made them for. Today, I'm going to tell you what we think that looks like, what it means to live that life, the life that God made you for. And it's not us telling you a list of rules and regulations of you can't do this and you can't do that and you need to do this and you need to do that. No, this is a bigger picture thing because we want you to live the way God made you. And so we're not going to give you the nitty gritty details of your life. We're just going to give you the broad brush strokes of what it means to be a follower of God and then we will give you the slightly narrower brush strokes of what it means to be a member of this community. So let's dig right on into it because what we are talking about is we're talking about being people who put the right things first and the first core commitment we make as a family together is what we call the air commitment. It's the commitment that puts God first in our lives. So I want to jump to that. We'll put it up on the screen here. It says, God is my air. In every aspect of my life, God comes first. His word is my only authority. His son is my only salvation. His glory is my greatest desire. I give him the first of my every opportunity. These are also on the backside of your commitment card, so you can see exactly what you're signing when you sign it. It is very small print, though, so you have to be young. Anyway, um, we are talking about putting God first in our lives. Because over this last month, I've been encouraging you to say no to some things and yes to some things. And the biggest thing that you need to say no to is your own kingdom. And the biggest thing you need to say yes to is God's kingdom. And say, God, I want my life to be covered with you. I'm going to put you first and let everything else fall into place. There's just one problem. This is very easy to say. I remember a long time ago when we were first getting the church started, I was in a coffee shop trying to talk to people about this new church that we were starting, and I had a conversation with this one person who didn't go to church, wasn't really a believer of any sort, hadn't really read the Bible, and I was talking to this person about the importance of putting God first in your life, and this person said, oh, God is first in my life. I was like, how? (laughs) Like there's zero evidence of it. And I, I realized in that moment that there are a lot of people who say God is first because they believe or feel positive feelings towards God. I feel positively towards God. I think God exists, and I think he must be in charge of everything, so God, of course, comes first, but he's irrelevant to my daily life. We don't want to do that around here. When we say God comes first, we mean it. And so we have a specific statement for our fellowship that highlights exactly what we mean by God coming first. It says this, specifically, I have given my life over to Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I have followed him in the waters of baptism. I will submit my life to the mandates of the Bible, stand up for God's honor, and invest the first portion of my time, talent, and treasures in the work of his kingdom. We say that you need to be a person who is engaged 
in these specific baseline principles to put God first in your life. And just to make it abundantly clear, just to make it explicit in as many ways I possibly can, I've narrowed this down to five words. The five words are repentance, baptism, scripture, worship, and giving. Repentance, baptism, scripture, worship, and giving. We want you to be a person who has repented, who says, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, your kingdom come in my life. God, I have given my life to you. God, would you forgive me of my sins, transform my life, and lead me with your spirit. That's repentance. Says, God, you, not me. Baptism tells the world. Baptism says, I'm going public. Baptism says, I want everybody to know and I want my church family to know that I'm in this with them. Next week, we're gonna have another person be baptized and I'm so excited about the fact that you get to celebrate that with us. But it's not just going public, it's also making it real. You have to get God's word in your life. You have to have scripture be the most important authority in your life. Sure, there's newspapers, sure, there's television, sure, there are friends. God's word has to be the most important authority in your life. And then worship. I think you actually need to be here every single week for your own health and for my health. Because when we're together, when we're together, God does something in our midst that is different from when we're on our own. You can worship God in your car with your eyes open. You can worship God in your home. You can worship God in lots of places. But he moves in our midst in a different way when we're all together. And I want you to be part of that experience. And then finally, giving. You need to step up. You need to make your finances fall under God's authority first. You need to make your time fall under God's authority first. You need to make your talent fall under God's authority first. And if God is first in your time and your talent and your treasure, it's going to involve giving rather than hanging on to. That's our first commitment. We call it the air commitment because it reminds us God is so important. He's got to be as important as air is to us. Let's go to the second one. The second commitment is our fire commitment. And this one comes from a couple passages, but we're just going to jump right on into it. It says, the spirit dwells in me, but his power is revealed in community. I intentionally prioritize Christian relationships because I have something to give and something to receive. I encourage you over these last couple of weeks to embrace the empowerment that comes from God's Spirit. But the truth of the matter is, the empowerment that comes from God's Spirit does not come from God to you for you. The way God's Spirit always works is that His Spirit comes from Him to you through you for others. If you want to experience God's spirit, he has to flow through you towards others. And if you want to experience God's spirit, you have to be near someone through whom the spirit is flowing for you. That's the way God works. God always works so that the target of his operation is not the recipient of the operation. It comes to a person, through a person, for a person. And so I want to encourage you to be part of that flow. I want to encourage you to be a person who embraces the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And his spirit is in you, but his power is revealed in us together. Now, in our fellowship, we express that specifically in a few key ways. Let me put them up. Specifically, I affirm the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and heed the guidance he gives through the counsel of others in this church. A lot of people only do one of those. They're like, I've got the Holy Spirit in my life, so I don't have to listen to you. 
right? You've heard that before, maybe not in so many words. Or someone else might say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have the Holy Spirit. I have to trust whatever the church says. And I'm telling you, listen, they're both true. God's Spirit is in you as an individual, and His Spirit is in us together. And so we do both. We live in the tension. I will view this community as my spiritual family and offer my time, talent, and treasure here before serving or giving elsewhere. I will prioritize the weekly gatherings for worship and join a community group. I will pray for and support my leaders, love my fellow believers, and vigorously defend the unity of this church. If you sign up to be a member, that means for one year, you vigorously defend the unity of this church. And if you hear someone say, hey, I'm thinking about going, you say, hold on a second. Hold on a second. God's doing something. And we need to be there together with each other so that God does it all for each of us. If we lose someone during this year, we have lost an aspect of what God is doing in our midst. And so we need to vigorously defend the unity of this church together. That's what we need to be. If you're making this commitment, that's the kind of commitment you're making. But that's not all of it. There are a couple more. Two more, in fact. The next one is the one that we call the earth commitment. And the earth commitment comes from a couple verses that I just have to share with you because I share them every single January. They're important. It's Genesis 1.27. Here it is. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. I say it every year. God made you out of dirt. So if you've ever felt like dirt, that's right. You are. But he never intended for you to stay dirt. If his hands get on you and his breath gets in you, you become miracle dirt. And that is where God wants you to be. He wants you to be a person who receives his breath and who lives with the willingness that his fingers can push wherever they need to push to shape you into the person God wants you to be. Take a look at this next one from Isaiah. It says, you, Lord, are our father. We're the clay, you're the potter. We are the work of your hand. And if you've ever seen a potter put some clay on a spinning wheel, it's not an easy, casual process. There's smacking and slapping and pushing and prodding. And when it doesn't work right, it's crushing and starting over again. And if we're going to say that God is first in our lives... We have to also embrace that God has the authority to get his hands all over us. Our statement for that says, I am God's earth. God is creating me. I started as dust, but I'm becoming like Jesus. I rejoice in trials and hardships because Christ suffered for me, and I'm a living sacrifice transformed by the truths of God. We think everybody needs to make this commitment to let God be in charge of their life. But for our fellowship, we go one level deeper. And we say specifically, specifically, I will pursue opportunities for spiritual growth. I will root out sin in my life through regular self-examination and confession of sin, both to God and to accountability partners. And in all areas of uncertainty, I will submit first to the clear teaching of the Bible, then to the leaders God has placed over me, and finally after prayer to my own conscience. Here's the principle the Bible tells us all over the place. I've shared this before. When it's time for me to grow, it won't be comfortable for me. Jesus tells this story about seed that is thrown out to various different soils. 
And the seed is thrown out to the different soils and it lands on some hard soil and some rocky soil and some weedy soil and some good soil. And the stuff on the hard soil doesn't penetrate at all. It just gets taken away by birds. And the stuff on the rocky soil, there's a lot of water moisture up at the surface because there's rocks underneath. And so it grows fast, but it doesn't grow deep. And so it dies quickly. And then the stuff on the weedy soil, it grows, but the weeds are taller and more interesting sometimes. And they choke it out. And then there's soil that's good and the seed grows. And Jesus explains that parable to his disciples this way. I'm going to put it up from Matthew 13. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the word, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The point of Jesus' message is that if God's word is going to get into a person, The dirt of that person's life needs to be deep and clear and soft. The problem in our lives is that we don't like to go below the surface. We don't like to dig out the stuff that's under the surface. We face face anger and frustration, but we don't want to find the root causes of it. We face temptations and distractions, but we don't want to find the root causes of them. But if you're making this commitment with us in our fellowship, you're making a commitment to root out sin. To root it out. Because there's only two things required for spiritual growth. Good seed and good soil. And the seed is already good. God's word is already good. The only thing that's left is whether or not your soil is good. And so together, we get together and we root it out Over these next few weeks, we're going to be doing this Made for More class. And in this class, we're going to be talking specifically about different aspects of spiritual growth. And I want you to be there. If you've already taken our membership class, you have had the Reader's Digest condensed version of this stuff. If you've been through our coaching materials, you've already been through all of this stuff. What we're going to be doing is we're going through our coaching materials in a class setting so that we can cover more ground faster with more people this year and get more of us on the same page together. So that's going on this Tuesday at 6.30. I'd love to have you join us. But there's one final commitment we need to make. And that's what we call the water commitment. There's a verse that blesses my heart from Proverbs. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes the hearts of others will himself be refreshed. And so our fourth commitment is a commitment to be people of refreshing. It says this, the world needs my water. I have the living water in me. Infinite refreshment is mine in Christ. And I unlock it in me when I give it to others. I eagerly risk embarrassment to offer others the living water of Jesus. The point of that is that God works with his spirit in his church the same way he works with his blessing in this world. He gives it to you, through you, for someone else. 
And so if you are a conduit, if you want to experience the blessings of God, you just got to be blessing someone else and God's blessings will flow through you to them. But in this fellowship, we go one level deeper. Specifically, it says, I employ everything I am and everything I have for the benefit of others, beginning in this church and extending to the world around me to help others find full life in Christ. I will work to serve them, befriend them, share my faith with them, invite them to join me in this church and help them know the gospel so they too can experience the life I have been given. I will rely on God to refresh me as I strive to refresh others. Over these next few weeks especially, we're going to be investing more in some advertising. And there are going to be people here on Sunday morning that you don't know. Some of them come to 9 o'clock and you don't know them. And you're going to go up to them and you're going to be like, hey, how long have you been coming here? And they're going to be like, 12 years. And you're going to be like, oh, never met you before. Sorry about that. It doesn't matter. What I want you to do is I want you to be a person who eagerly risks whatever the risk is so that you can enter into an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. Because no matter how long they've been coming here, whether it's their first week, next week, or their 12th week, or their 100th week, you have an opportunity to be a blessing. And so you just step into their life and say, I'd like to be a blessing to you. You might even say that out loud, and then they'll be freaked out, but at least they will know what's on your heart. Listen, the last thing that I want to share before we come forward for our time of communion and for turning in our commitment cards is that every single time we come to this, I get questions from people who are like, I don't know if I can do that. Some people are like, I don't know if I can make a commitment to a church for a whole year. Listen, if God takes you somewhere else because like your job change or something, I'll give you a pass. That's all right. But your only commitment is whether or not you can choose, as long as you're living in this community, if you can choose to be here for just one year, if you can make that commitment, great. I think that's phenomenal. That's what we're asking for. We're asking for us to be committed to each other for this, this year. But I know a lot of people sometimes ask the question, I just can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how frustrated I'm going to get with you, Jeff. I don't know what thing you're going to say from the stage that's going to embarrass me and my friends and we're going to have to leave. I don't know what opinion you're going to put on Facebook that is going to cause me to say, hey, listen, I have to run run fast and far. I don't know what this church is going to do over this next year. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Neither do I. I can make you a promise. I can make you a guaranteed promise that eventually you're going to get mad at someone here. Whether it's me or someone else, eventually you will. Because people get mad at people. And families are the worst. But I also want to share with you some encouragement. From Romans chapter 8, it says this. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. If you're a person who says, I want to follow God's purpose for my life, then it doesn't matter what you experience this year. It's just a part of a good path that you're walking on. If you're on God's purpose path, then whatever you face this year is part of that good purpose path. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, It says, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Listen, all of those words are past tense. 
Because the Apostle Paul, when he writes it down, says it's so certain. God planned it in the past, and it's so certain that it is as if it is true already now. Here's the point. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has labeled you, chosen you, predestined you to become the person he wants you to be, to become more like Jesus. All you have to do is stick with it, and he will carry you to where he wants you to be. He will lead you to where he wants you to be, and it ends with great glory. So much so that the Apostle Paul can say your glory is past tense. God has already glorified you because his plan is so certain, so secure that your glorification is inevitable. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We don't say that statement as a church trying to say God is on our side. We say that statement as followers of Jesus who know the promise is secure. God is in fact on the side of his son. And if we are with Jesus, what can stand against? I want to invite you to make a commitment today. If you're ready to make the membership commitment, do it for the first time or all over again with joy. If you want to sign the associate commitment, that's not a cop-out. That's you saying, I'm going to do it for this year with these people. I, I don't know what it means. I don't really know all the details, but I'm just going to be here with these people. If you can't make either of these commitments, I encourage you to just jot down your thoughts on the back side of the Connect card. We'll pray for you and with you and come forward. If you can give your life to Jesus today, if you can receive forgiveness from him, communion is for you. If you have been blessed by God, the offering is for you. And if you are ready to make a commitment to follow him this year with us, these little cards are for you as well. Let me encourage you to spend this time in just a moment with God and then come forward as you're ready. We're going to give you two songs worth of time to process, think, pray, come forward. We're going to have our prayer team up front if you'd like them to pray with you. But let me pray for you now. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. God loves you. And his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.